Hi, this is Jerry Hauser, and you are listening to TV Confidential. Ed Robertson welcoming you to TV Confidential, radio talk show about television that will play part two of our conversation with Hank Garrett of Car 54. Where are you in our second hour? We have to stay tuned for that. In the meantime, we'll open up our first hour by welcoming back our friend Paul Robert Coyle. Paul has written for network, cable, and syndicated television for more than 40 years, first in the genre of police and detective shows before morphing into the world of sci-fi and fantasy television. Paul is no stranger to TV Confidential. He's been on our program many, many times. In fact, he was the very first guest on this program way back when. Our listeners always enjoy listening to Paul's perspective. Plus, Paul is responsible for many of the guests that we have had on our show over the years, including Lee Merriweather, Penny Pizer, and Jerry Hauser. Paul Robert Coyle is certainly no stranger to me. I have known Paul for almost 30 years. We met because of my book, The Fugitive Recaptured. We have broken bread many times together, although not since COVID-19. But, uh, not since February. Yes, not since February. <laughs> but we've also had many, many conversations on and off the air about the TV industry in general. And yet there are many things about Paul Coyle that I never knew before until I read his memoir, Swords, Starships, and superheroes, which not only has great behind-the-scenes stories about Paul's experience as a freelance writer, script doctor, and in some cases, story editor or producer on such shows as Star Trek The Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Hercules, The Incredible Journeys, where Paul was also a producer, Xena, Warrior Princess, and Stephen King's The Dead Zone, but includes many useful tips on what to do and what not to do if you want to pursue a career as a writer, whether you want to write for television or pursue any sort of writing career. We'll tell you where you can find Paul's book in just a second. But first, Paul, Robert Coyle, welcome back to our program. Well, thanks, uh, Ed. It's always great to be here. And I did, did you just say I was your first guest on the show ever? You were the first guest on TV Confidential. I would, I, that floors me. I did not realize that. Well. I, all right. That's news to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm learning. Good to be here again. I hope this is not your last show. I hope not. I hope not either. Uh, you pretty much knew what you wanted to do when you were 14 years old, didn't you? 14. Let's let's see. Uh, I knew certainly knew what I wanted to do around uh, at some point during high school. 14. Uh, I, 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 I might have played around with the idea of being a radio disc jockey at the time. You know, I was in Providence, Rhode Island. I was not in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. So that, that was a distant land to me. That was, uh, but I watched a lot of television, saw movies, you know, when I could you'd see them for a quarter down the street, uh, the, the, the uh, theater on Chalkstone Avenue, the capsule theater. So I was into television and, and movies, definitely. And then at some point I started writing television scripts. I read, I guess I read in a magazine somewhere that you could do such a thing, or I got my hands on a script. And then all through high school, I continued to do that. And you would, I would send them out, you know, for the most part, they wouldn't get to where I wanted them. Oh, you know, let me back up. I started, I, I was interested in writing for comic books at a mm -hmm. certain point. And I wrote a Thor story and sent it to Stan Lee in New York, you know, Marvel Comics, mm -hmm. and, got a, and got a nice letter back from him. A rejection letter, of course, and I didn't know what, a, what it was a, 
a short story. I didn't know what form, uh, format uh, comic books were written in. But it was an encouraging letter, you know, thanks for trying, but blah, blah, blah. I don't have it anymore because my mother threw it out <laughs> along with my entire uh, collection of comic books, some of which are worth up to $200,000 an issue now, but uh, that's another story. Well, yes, but like every good writer, you peel back memories, you draw on the internal hard drive that is inside your brain, and you pull stuff from your own experience sometimes when you look into writer's story, and that experience, that heartbreak of having your comic book collection thrown out, that made its way into one of the Simon and Simons that you wrote. Oh, definitely. Oh, yeah. And bad things that happened to me along the way, those make the most interesting stories. You know, you talk about life lessons. Well, that only happens really if things go wrong. A lot of things have gone wrong in my path, my, my journey. So uh, I wrote about them, and the editors of the book were very encouraging. They were saying, oh, yeah, this makes you a relatable narrator, that you're able to talk about your failings. So they wanted more of that. <laughs> so I hope there are life lessons to be learned by people. I, the things that happen to me, the exact same things are not going to happen to anybody else. But I've always enjoyed reading, uh, you know, stories of other writer-producers or other backstage show business type stories and the, the events, uh, well, you know, what led these other people to become writers or actors or, or whatever. This was my particular story and uh, uh, I hope it's of interest to fans of those shows or to anyone who might be interested in coming to Hollywood and pursuing such a career. Paul's memoir, Swords, Starships, and Superheroes, from Star Trek to Xena to Hercules, a TV writer's life scripting the stories of heroes, is not only the story of Paul's 40-plus year journey as a writer, story editor, and producer for television, but includes many useful lessons, life lessons, tips, whatever you want to call them, lessons on how to pursue a career as a professional writer, whether you want to write for television or write for any other form. A sword, starship, superheroes available in paperback and as an ebook through our friends at Jacobs Brown Media Group. You can also find it at Amazon.com, wherever fine books are sold. I want to talk about the path you laid for yourself that eventually brought you to, from Providence to Los Angeles. But first, you mentioned you pitched a story to Stan Lee. Yeah, this is you're not even 15 years old yet, you know. So something like that, yeah. Uh, but, but, you know, but I read the comic books, and so I was a big fan. Yeah, and, and well, two, two things. If you're going to pitch for television, if nonfiction writing is your forte, if you want to pitch for Vanity Fair, if you want to pitch for whatever the big magazines are, you have to know the genre, you have to know the publication. And through trial and error, that's something you figured out a long time ago. Sure. I mean, you you, you, <laughs> you you watch the shows or you, or you read the magazines or, or whatever. You read the comic books in that case. And by the way, when you say pitch, I mean, that's that's just something I wrote on spec. I, I, sat, I sat down, I wrote a short story starring Thor. And uh, I, I didn't pit, pitch generally means an in-person meeting that you would take with the producer. So, so I, well, <laughs> I didn't pit, travel to New York pit. and meet with Stan Lee and verbally pitch anything. Well, no, yeah, pitch as used in television and, and pitch as Paul uses it throughout Swords, Starships, and Superheroes. Yes, that is an in-person meeting with the producers. And uh, uh, we're going to talk about that later on. But I have to ask you, okay, you mentioned Stan Lee wrote you a very nice letter. Did you ever cross paths with Stan later on in your career? No, no, you know, um, never. And if I had, I would have said thanks for the encouragement when I was 
14 or whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. No, we, I never pursued comic books again after that. And then Marvel, Marvel became uh, the ruler of the world, but um, they were making movies. Um, they were, I don't think they were in television until recently. And the, the early things like Spider-Man that was in 77, wasn't really produced by Marvel per se. I think they licensed that out. So no, the answer is no. Unfortunately, I never got to, to meet the man. I, I know somebody who did work with him and spoke highly of it. Well, you didn't pursue comics after that, but you did have a chance to write for the Superboy series, which is a comic, a live action version of a, of a comic book. So it's all kind of it's, it's all it's all kind of circular and moves forward. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. Your story is a classic example, Paul, of how we often make our luck, make our own luck with preparation. In your case. In a pre-internet universe where we don't, this is 1967, 1968, we don't, you didn't have the access to Google and search engines and all that kind of stuff, but you pretty much carved your way to Los Angeles by spending a lot of time at the library, reading, you know, finding, <laughs> reading publications such yeah, as Writer's Digest. That's the was one. A magazine. Yeah, that's the one. They, they had a monthly column about writing for television, as mm-hmm. I remember. Yeah. Specifically, writing for television. And they, uh, yeah, they talked about somebody had sold a spec script to Bonanza, and I and I said, what? How did that happen? You know, so I wanted to read about that. So somebody, some woman, some housewife of the Midwest, wrote a, a spec Bonanza and mailed it in, and they bought it and made it so that inspired me right once i heard that i was i was off and running and um the show death valley days a long time western anthology they uh, i read an article about them and they actually encouraged spec submissions they were willing to read them they didn't have to come through an agent or a lawyer um so i started going to the library and researching stories of the uh the old west and writing spec death valley days which had been on the air at that point, what, 17, 18 years? So I didn't know the, all the backstories they had done. <laughs> right? and, and on radio before I was born, I think. So I kept you know, sending them in and them saying, oh, this is interesting, you know, but we did this story uh, 12 years ago or whatever. But it was, and at some point, uh, the, the woman I was writing to said, if you're ever, you know, if you're ever in uh, Los Angeles, uh, I'd love to meet you. So that was a, a gold-plated invitation, right? Um, at that point, I ended up going to college and moving to Los Angeles and uh, got back in touch with uh, and went over to their offices at Death Valley Days on Sunset Boulevard, the famed Sunset Strip. Mm-hmm. And the show was canceled just about that time. <laughs> so, but got me there, right? It got you there. You had you, you at least had one contact. And yeah. in fact, if I remember correctly, it was uh, it was through Ann Udell, who was the producer through Death Valley Days, that you right. uh, that you made your first contact to Los Angeles. I think it was through her that you learned about the screenwriting program at LA City College. Correct? Uh, no, I did. that was uh, these, these were two separate uh, things. It was Ann Udell, who was from Death Valley Days. All right, so I, I would send her these things and get nice notes back, rejection mm-hmm. letters, but encouraging notes. And they were always reading to, willing to read one more. And then separately, I, would, my, I was in my senior year at high school, so that was ending. So oh, where do you go to college? That's most, it. That's it. Most guys in Providence were going to Providence College or, you know, local Brown University or whatever. None of which had anything remotely about tele- writing for television or, or, you know, anything of that nature. So I started getting serious about moving to Los Angeles. I knew 
I had read about pitch meetings. You have to be in person to meet with producers to have a career in, in television in Hollywood. Maybe uh, 10 years earlier, you would have been able to go to New York and, and had some opportunities there, but it had to be Hollywood. I'm talking about 1970. Yeah. So I went to the, again, the guidance counselors at the high school couldn't help me because they didn't know about writing classes in Los Angeles. I went to the public library. Of course, pre-inter, now you could do it all at your desk, right? You could, mm -hmm. you could find out what courses uh, various uh, are being offered all over the country. But I went to the library and I read about uh, UCLA and USC and Los Angeles City College. And there's a how to write for television night class starting the, the next semester in September taught by D.C. Fontana, Dorothy Fontana, whose name I knew from Bonanza and Lancer and, and mostly Star Trek mm -hmm. because she had been a story editor on the original Star Trek. This is not a course on how to write for Star Trek. It was, of course, on how to write for television. Yeah. So that the combination of that and, and the Death Valley days, uh, those were <laughs> that's what drew me to Los Angeles. I came, I enrolled at City College and, and took the, the, the courses in the TV department. But that writing class was my primary focus. And uh, now all these spec scripts that I've been writing all this time, I was grinding them out. I, I could actually bring them to class. <laughs> you know, they, they served a purpose now. And uh, that class went on for two years. And it, as a direct result, an outgrowth of that class, I got an assignment on Star Trek, the animated series, which was just getting off the ground 1973 or so. Oh, by the way, Gene Roddenberry came to speak, was one of the guest speakers that mm -hmm. Dorothy brought one night and took a bunch of us out for dinner at the House of Pancakes afterwards. So I was hobnobbing with these people and through Dorothy's, you know, she was writing for these various shows at the time. I was living, you know, the, the osmosis, the life of a TV writer, hearing about it and hearing about all their experiences. You know, I learned an incredible amount uh, during that time and went on to graduate to an assignment on that Star Trek animated show, which turned out to be a disaster, as you may have read in the book. I talk about that. I would not use the word disaster. <laughs> no, hang with me on this. Did it work out? No. But here's my takeaway from what happened. And, and, you, can, and you can read the backstory of what happened, of Paul's experience uh, with Star Trek, the animated series, in Swords, Starships, and Superheroes, Paul's memoir, uh, from Star Trek to Xena to Hercules, which is available as an e uh, in paperback and as an ebook through our friends at Jacobs Brown Media. Now, bear in mind, you made your way from Providence, Rhode Island to L.A. when you're 18, 20 years old. 18. You, okay, 18 years old, 20, you know, age 20, either, either 20 or 21, you get an opportunity to write for Star Trek, the animated series. Okay, so on the one hand, you had a level of maturity that went beyond your years, and yet there are many times during that first five years in Los Angeles when you, you made what I would call rookie mistakes. There are mistakes from inexperience, which, reminds, which, which reminded me and reminds the reader by extension that you're just 20, 21 years old, you know? So, uh, yeah, yeah. You, you got to cut yourself a break. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, I can laugh about it now and I can write about it now yeah. 40 plus years later. At yeah. the time, these these uh, missteps were devastating to me. Sure. Sure. But at at the same time, and this this goes back to something any artist, certainly any writer, 
has to know going in. Whether you want to write for television, whether you want to write for any other sort of form, you, you sort of have to know going in that there's probably a 99% chance that they're going to choose somebody else. They're going to, they're, you know, for whatever reason. And while some rejections are still harder to take, you know, 40 years later, or in my case, 30 years later, it helps to know that going in. And in your case, one of the things you learned is television in particular is, is an industry of relationships. And, you know, you may not have gotten, you, you may not have gotten this job, but you meet several other people who may remember this talented young man from Providence, Rhode Island, and they'll hire you a couple of years later. Absolutely. Yeah, you form relationships with producers, and then they, they, that producer goes on to another show, and they call you into that show. So you follow up, you know, that, that's years later when I came back to Star Trek and uh, Next Generation and Deep Space Nine and Voyager. That was a direct result of my work with Mike Piller, who was story editor on Simon and Simon. Mm -hmm. All right. So I, I had that animated disaster in 1973. I still consider it a disaster. <laughs> I had an assignment. That was not a spec thing. No, you know, that was an actual uh, no. contract, and they they um, they bought the story and they paid for the story. And and you learn the hard way. There is a protocol to television. Yeah, well, you're supposed to wait for notes before you write the script. Yeah, and I well, I waited and waited weeks, a month, or whatever. In the meantime, the class had ended, so I wasn't seeing Dorothy Fontana every week anymore. Yeah. And uh, everything had been encouraging about the story. And then I, I went ahead and I wrote the script and I sent it in. And the next thing I get a, a rejection letter saying they had, Gina decided to cut the story off and they were not going to pay me for the script. I'd already been paid for the story. So they owned that. Anyway, that's, that's how that happened. Cut to how many years later? Uh, 19, uh, the late 80s or the mid to late 80s. Mike Piller from Simon & Simon calls me in to do Star Trek, Next Generation, rewrite a few rewrites at first of other people's work and then originals, a few originals. So you talk about producers, yeah, following producers from one project to another. I didn't, I started with Star Trek and then in the middle I ended back up at Star Trek and then got drawn off to Hercules and Xena. So I got, by, the, by that time those particular Star Treks were over. So yes, you form relationships and uh, if you do a good, if you don't do a good job, then that's the end of that. I mean, I never, that was the end of my relationship with Dorothy Fontana. I never went on to work with her again or even ever speak to her again. That, you know, that, um, but I, I still learned all those lessons that I learned in her class that I, that I then carried forward. So yes, relationships, you know, I did streets of San Francisco and I worked for those guys again and that, Brought me on to Barnaby Jones, another Quinn Martin show, and, and then Phil Saltzman. <laughs> that brought, he brought me on to Jake and the Fat Man, and then kind of indirectly led to my going to Crazy Like a Fox, which in turn led to a lot of other shows. So, yes, you form relationships, and uh, your career doesn't always, you know, if I'd started writing, if I'd been successful at Death Valley Days, and all I wrote were westerns, well, those died out years ago anyway, so there was no future in that. You take a circuitous route with your career. Every writer-producer does. You don't necessarily end up on the shows you would choose to end up on, but you, it takes you where you want to go. So I've turned down things over the years that later I regret having turned down. I turned down Xena the first year because it, I didn't know anything about it, and it just sounded like Xena Warrior Princess was a title that sounded 
stupid to me, and I didn't feel like it was the kind of show that I, I was writing. At that point, I was Cops and Detectives and uh, yeah. Star Trek, you know? So these are the kind of lessons that I write about. Not lessons, but they're just my stories. And uh, Well, they're your, they're, story. they're, they're your stories, and by extension, if we're wise, we'll recognize there are lessons to be learned for any of us who want to pursue a career in the television industry. Paul Robert Coyle is with us via Zoom. Paul's memoir, Sword, Starships, and Superheroes from Star Trek to Xena to Hercules, a TV writer's life scripting the stories of heroes is available through our friends at Jacobs Brown Media Group. Take a quick time out. Talk some more with Paul Robert Coyle. We come back on TV Confidential. Know someone with a drinking or drug problem? Learn how to get sober after we share these stories. I was 35 with two beautiful children when my life and addiction started to spiral out of control. After my divorce, I went into a depression cycle and started drinking more often and using prescription drugs. After my second DWI and arrest, my ex-husband threatened to take our children away from me. I was 17 when I became addicted to heroin and meth. I thought I could quit on my own, but I couldn't. It hit me when I was arrested. Get sober now. Your private insurance may cover costs and we'll get you here. It's simple. Just call Elite Rehab Placement right now. Please, don't wait. Your life matters to us. 800-917-2194 That's 800-917-2194 One more item. Here's something a lot of us have in common. Broken appliances. Broken air conditioner. Broken down heating system. Broken down washer dryer. Broken down refrigerator. And if you're a homeowner, you know just how expensive it is to get one of those things fixed, let alone what happens if more than one appliance breaks down at the same time. Well, if you're a homeowner, you can get all of your appliances on a warranty plan that guarantees protection for all of your home appliances in case they break down. And best of all, it will only cost you about a dollar a day. Call the Home Service Club at 800-264-3168, 800-264-3168. The call is free. And if you're one of the first 25 callers, your first month membership in the Home Service Club will also be free. Home Service Club, warranty plan, guarantees protection for all of your appliances for less than a dollar a day. 800-264-3168, 800-264-3168. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk tvconfidential.net talk at tvconfidential.net you can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential x.com forward slash tvconfidential or at tvconfidential on instagram and if you're listening to us on the tv confidential podcast please be sure to hit the subscribe button this portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay Area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.